There's a lot going on there, wasn't there? There's a lot going on, a lot happening. Thank you, kids. Thank you for leading us in worship this morning. You did well. I'm so thankful to be able to open God's Word with you this morning. We'll be in Isaiah 40, beginning in the first verse, and this is one of my very favorite passages of the Scripture. I hope it's a blessing to you as well. Isaiah 40, follow along in your copy of the Scripture, or you can follow along in the screen behind me. May the Holy Spirit add his blessing to the reading of his word. Comfort, O comfort, my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. And let the rough ground become a plain, and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice calls out, says, Call out then, he answered. What shall I call out? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice, mighty O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, We thank you so much for allowing us to come into your house to worship you today. And we declare proudly before each other, before the world, that you are worthy, that there is no one like you in your perfection, in your love, in your majesty, your grace. We come thankfully, your people, that you have called. Forgive us of any ways that we have fallen short. And Holy Spirit, we beg, we ask with all of our hearts that you would draw close to us today. That this would be a meaningful time. Push away any thoughts from tomorrow or yesterday and help us simply to be in your presence this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. I love opening God's word with you. Uh, Are you getting ready for Christmas? I hope you are. I hope you're enjoying every moment of it. And like the sales family, you probably have your special ways of getting ready for Christmas, right? There's a special place in your house, for instance, where you put the Christmas tree. Sandy and I are a little bit at a loss this year. For seven of the last years, we have always put the Christmas tree in that one special place. Now we're in a, a new home, and we just stood in the middle of our house and just felt lost. Where is the tree going? We were like... Sheep without a shepherd. 
when I was a boy, we had our special ways of preparing. Tinsel was put on the tree in a very special way. I don't know about you, but at our house, you did not throw big globs of tinsel on the tree. Amen? You put one individual tinsel on it by itself, and then you moved on to the next one because that was the unforgivable sin to throw a big glob on. My dad would make his special Christmas candy, only made it that one time of the year. And at my house on Christmas Eve, we'd always watch Bing Crosby and White Christmas. And almost every year growing up in Colorado, we'd open up the front window and nine years out of ten, there would be a white Christmas as the snow gently fell. On and on the preparations go. It doesn't matter how many times before, it's time to prepare once again. And then it's time to prepare for guests. The things that haven't been fixed in a long time have to be fixed. That doorknob that's been broken for the last 11 months has got to be fixed because guests are coming. Heaven forbid, a leaky toilet, all the embarrassment. Preparing for guests requires close examination and inspection. It kind of reminds me of the story of the mother, and she was down on her hands and knees. She had a comb, and she was combing out the fringe on the end of the carpet, you know, making sure that it was absolutely straight. Her son walked in and, and, and caught her at it. He said, Mom, what in the world are you doing? One kick and it's all done. All of that work, all that preparation. She said, she looked up at him and it was, she said, it's Christmas. In other words, duh, that's just what you do. You prepare because guests are coming. It's time for inspection, self-examinations. It's just what you do. And brothers and sisters, isn't it interesting? This morning, the scripture that we open says that very thing. It's time to get ready. Listen, I don't think Isaiah cared very much about being a good host or a hostess, but I surely think that it was important to him that we are prepared for the most important guest of all. So are you getting ready for Christmas? Now listen, before we dig into this passage, we need to understand that Isaiah is prophetic literature, prophetic, cast into the future. We want to listen for what the first hearers would hear and then what the second hearers, that includes us, would hear as well. It's kind of like looking through these bifocals that I got just this week. I tell you, I don't know where to look. If I move my head to it, I just get a head rush. Bifocals, it's like this. I'm looking at this passage through this lens to the first hearers, and I see what's close, what's present, what's immediate for the first hearers. And then I lift my eyes, and I can see what's distant, what's far away. And that's for us, the second hearers. So what message to the first hearers? Listen, I want to tell you, in just the briefest summary, Isaiah 41 is the summary of this passage. Listen again. Comfort, oh comfort, my people, says the Lord your God. Now, brothers and sisters, we can't hear that. We can't hear those words and truly take them to heart unless we have kind of an understanding of the first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah. So here goes. We're going to read it together. 39 chapters. My, my Christmas present to you. How about this? How about we just summarize it a little bit with one verse. Isaiah 6, 11 says this. Then I said, Lord, how long? How long will we suffer the consequences of our sin? How long will, be, will we be punished? And God, he answered, until cities are devastated and without inhabitants. 
houses without people, and the land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. Sounds rough, doesn't it? Now multiply that by 39 chapters, and you get a sense of the first third of the book of Isaiah. In other words, you have sinned. You have turned away from your God. After decades of warning you, of calling you to repentance, judgment is coming. And then you will be carted off in captivity to a nation far away. You will serve those people. You'll be slaves to foreigners in a foreign land. You'll have no temple. You'll have no access to God. 39 brutal chapters, page after page after page of condemnation and judgment. And then we turn to chapter 40, expecting the same thing. And what do we hear? Comfort. Oh, comfort my people, says the Lord your God. I remember sitting in seminary and studying this passage in depth for the first time in my life, and I was listening to the Old Testament professor, and, and I guess I had kind of come to, to dread going into that class for a while because we had been going through these 39 chapters, and it was long and it was painful, you know, and then we turned to chapter 40, and the professor said these words. And when he read these words, it was as if, man, I didn't hear anything else he had to say from that moment on. Because in that moment, there was such an awe, and there was such a moment of worship. I didn't, I didn't know anything that happened afterwards. Because I began to ask myself, how can a God who is perfect and righteous, powerful above any of our imaginations. How can a God who has been refused and rebuffed and mocked and rejected, how could he come to the point where he would say, comfort, oh comfort my people, my people, my people in relationship, not cut off anymore. Speak kindly to Jerusalem. Her warfare has ended. Her iniquity has been removed. A voice is calling Clear the way for the Lord and the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Now what in the world does that mean to us? What did it mean to them? Make smooth in the desert a highway. It means, Israel, it's time to go home. It means no more captivity. It means no more slavery. 58 years in Babylonian exile and slavery separated from God. But that had come to an end. There will be a great highway in the desert, and the Israelites will travel it as they go to their home. 58 years. Can you imagine being imprisoned for 58 years? Being a slave and then being told one day, you can go home. You're released. You are rejoined with your heavenly Father. You are in relationship to him. He has made a way. Because that's what the scriptures say. It won't be accomplished by men. It won't be accomplished by armies. It won't be accomplished by king. God has spoken this. God, as good as his word, he will make a way. He has accomplished this. So Israel, get ready. Put on your traveling shoes. Celebrate. Throw away anything that's going to wear you down. Inspect, examine yourself. Remove any obstacle. It's time to go home, and this isn't our home. Tell everyone, so no one will be left behind. 
get ready because God has made a way. Can you imagine the excitement of the first hearers? 58 years. But what does it mean to us, the, those included in the second hearers? Does this have any meaning to us? Does it have any hope or peace in our lives? Beloved of God, I want you to hear everything I am. The answer is yes. Hear the way that John the Baptist quotes the prophet Isaiah. Luke 3, the word of God came to John the Baptist, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness, and he came into the district around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight, Every ravine will be filled and every mountain and hill will be brought low. The crooked will become straight and the rough road smooth and all flesh will see the salvation of God. You see, there hadn't been much of a change in the 700 years between the time of Isaiah and the time of John the Baptist and then ultimately Jesus. There was still a people that were imprisoned. There were still people that had turned away from their God who had rejected, refused, rebuffed mocked their God. They had taken the law of love and twisted it around until they were imprisoning each other with it. They had not been carted off to exile, but they were still slaves, this time not to the Babylonians, but to the Romans in their own land. And in that midst, in the midst of such a devastating point in history, John proclaims all flesh will see the salvation of his of God, and his name is Jesus and can't you almost hear the words of Isaiah? Comfort, oh comfort, my people. But you see, these just aren't bifocals. They're really trifocals. And they speak to us today, to all generations. The message seems to be that everything that you came looking for today, for all of the peace that you so badly crave, It'll never be found in the powers and of people of this world that will simply fade like flowers. It will only come through the one that John proclaims, the most special guest of all. And John says, listen now, are you with me still? John says, for this most special guest, we must once again prepare. Prepare our lives. Fix those things that have been broken over the last year. Self-examine ourselves. And for those things that are broken, he says that we are to what? To repent. The Greek word for uh, repent is metanoia. And it means to literally change one's mind. It means to turn around. To reorient yourself. How many of you have been shopping at the mall this year? Has it got, I haven't been to the mall yet. Has, has it been crazy? Has it been nuts? No one's gone to the mall yet. <laughs> One person. Somebody's fibbing. I have a, I have a flaw. I know you, you find that hard to believe. Man, I, I can get lost inside of a closet. I don't know. This was not a helpful characteristic while I was in the Army. I'll tell you that. I can get, lo I can get lost in a mall just like that. I'll be walking along, and I go, oh, here's the store. I'll turn into it, and then, and then I'll buy whatever I need to buy. I'll walk out, and I'll go, ooh, which way did I come from? 
Anybody else? Anybody? And I'll have to stand there and just go, wait a minute, wait a minute, breathe, breathe, breathe. And in the midst of all of the Christmas chaos, I'll have to determine if I go left or I go right. I have to reorient myself. In the midst of all of the Christmas crazy, I need to make sure that I'm on the right path. And brothers and sisters, beloved of God, that's what Advent is. It's a time of stopping and making a way for the Lord. Setting this time apart so that the Spirit might speak to us this moment. So that we might ask ourselves and and answer, am I on the right path that leads home? And if there are things that are broken, things that have become twisted, things that do not honor God, ways that we're not living and breathing in the Spirit, then this is the time to stop and reorient and move forward. I believe that's what John is saying as he quotes Isaiah, as he goes into this rather poetic passage of what it might look like. Make his paths straight. Make every ravine will be filled, and every mountain and hill will be brought low. The crooked will become straight, and the rough roads smooth, and all flesh will see the salvation of God. And listen, this isn't philosophical. We come here today in this season of Advent. It's time to stop. It's time to allow the Spirit to speak to every one of us. This is the application. Are we on the right path? What's broken? What needs to be continued? And even now, in this moment, may the Spirit speak to each one of us, draw to our attention those things that adjustment is needed. Things need to be left behind. I was listening to NPR this week, National Public Radio, and, and uh, they were talking about a new DNA test that you can, you can order online and then it arrives in the mail. And it's basically just like a straw and you kind of, excuse me, you kind of spit into the straw and then you mail it back to them. And scientists have come to the point where they can take this DNA test and they can determine whether or not you're especially likely to, uh, to develop some life-threatening disease. And not only that, I mean, that's incredible enough, but they can not only tell you that, but they can also tell you, they can give you a pretty good idea at what age it will occur in your life. And so they were talking about it, you know, they were trying to explain it, and that was all very interesting, but what really caught my attention was the discussion kind of afterwards when people were asked, would you take that test? Would you take that test? And, and then they said, um, would you want to know the results? So sitting here today would would you want to know the results of that test? And, and as long as I live, I'll never forget one woman. She said, yes, I want to know. And, 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 the, and the radio guy said, well, why is that? Why is it that you want to know? Here's what she said. Listen, she replied, because if I knew, I would live my life more fully right now. And I just thought, how incredibly sad that is. Why not just live your life fully and completely right now? Why keep postponing and waiting for, you know, the, some great prize, the lottery to hit, or some terrible illness in your life to make the necessary changes? Why not make the changes that you know are necessary right now so that you might experience the peace 
the joy, the blessing, the comfort, the hope that God desires for you. Why not just make those changes? Beloved, that's the very purpose of Advent. To remind ourselves that we have already hit the jackpot. We are the recipients of the greatest gift of all. And remind ourselves that his name is Jesus. And he will return the greatest guest of all. Do you know what that means? Have you forgotten? Have you grown numb to it? It means no more captivity of sin. No more slavery of death. No more exile or, or, or separated from God. That's all come to an end. There will be a great highway from God, and we will travel it together. It's time to celebrate. It's time to cry out because God has made a way. Get ready. Beloved, put on your traveling shoes. Throw away anything that would slow you down. Inspect, examine yourself. Remove any obstacle. This isn't our home. So tell everyone so no one will be left behind. Get ready because God has made a way through Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Oh, someone say amen. The second Sunday in Advent is the Sunday of peace. Every year I ask Sandy, I said, I said, honey, what do you want for Christmas? She looks at me and she smiles the same way every year and she says, I just want peace on earth. I'm telling you, the woman is hard to shop for. Because that's a crazy answer, isn't it? Peace on earth. I mean, that's, that's just too hard. That's, that's impossible, right? Not so. Because peace comes with Advent as we reorient our lives toward Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it again. Peace comes with Advent as we reorient our lives to Jesus Christ. Peace. You know the peace I'm referring to. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to his increase or his government or of peace. Or as Jesus himself said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Rather, prepare the way of the Lord and receive the peace of Advent. The length of the Christmas preparations that we go to is absolutely amazing, isn't it? We attend to every detail. Guests are coming. Quick, comb the rugs. Well, someone is coming. His name is Jesus. And he holds peace in his hand. Look at the beauty of the church. The church is prepared. Our homes most likely are well prepared. Our calendar is full and prepared. But the most important thing is our heart prepared. The church Father Tertullian said this way, Advent is the time to prepare the home of our heart. So is your heart prepared 
Make ready the way of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, we come humbly to your house. We come humbly to the foot of the manger, amazed by what you have accomplished, how you have broken into this world, and that you have made a way. It is not what man has done. We did not earn it. We could not deserve it. But you have freely given it through Jesus Christ, your one and only begotten Son. We pray for one another. First, Father, we pray for anyone here today that has not met Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. We pray that this might be the day where your spirit would move powerfully and their heart be tender to the point they might accept you as Savior. We pray for one another that the spirit might move in our hearts and for those ways that are displeasing to you, that even this moment you would draw them to our attention so that we might repent, repair, and prepare for the coming of our Lord. We pray these things humbly, believing in you. In Jesus' name, amen.